Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I am not your usual host, Steve Sippa. Steve is not with us today. Instead, you've got me, Lucas, uh, and I'm here with our other two usual guests, Thomas and Ken. Guys, what are we going to do without Steve today? Fumble through the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we, that's how it normally goes anyway, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, just wildly flailing about sharing mediocre opinions and hot takes, you know? Um Anyway, I don't. I don't have a. Steve always does a good job of putting together a very uh, long, winding tale to get to our promote extend trade, and I don't have the same uh, skill to craft that. So I just googled famous people who were born or died on uh, uh, <laughs> September sixth, and it turns out uh, Akira Kurosawa, who is arguably the most famous director in in Japanese film history, I think Miyazaki might have a claim to that name now, but certainly the most famous live-action director, uh, died on this day uh, in, uh, I forgot the year already, a while ago. So for Promote Extend Trade, uh, let's just do Kurosawa movies. Uh, so whatever your two, your favorite Kurosawa movie is, your one you like, and then one you think is overrated or just objectively dislike. Um, I think my favorite is Seven Samurai. Um, okay. Basic. Like yeah. <laughs> that's that's just like the that's the uh, the one that most people know. I feel like I feel like that's his like that's the at least for me like mm-hmm. that's the most mm-hmm. famous one that I know. I, I've never seen it, but I, I know many many references to it. Yeah. Well, and, didn't uh, they make a recent like movie. American riff on it with like Chris Pratt and Yeah, uh, the the Wild Bunch is a uh, American Western version of it and then the re- they remade the Wild Bunch recently. Ah, so okay. like yeah, yeah, It's a movie cool. literally with a grandchild. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. But yeah, that's my favorite one, I think. I don't um think anyone plenty of people would agree with you, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one that I wouldn't like. Uh, the one, yeah, I, so I honestly wasn't sure what, cause I've not seen all his films. Oh, and, yeah, and, and definitely when you watch some older films, we're, we're like, uh, dopamine addicted modern people and it doesn't quite hit that same note. But, uh, I do think, uh, Rashomon is overrated. I find the whole, we're gonna tell the same story through seven different lenses thing a little tedious, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I was going to trade Rushermon. I don't know if that gives you any guidance on what you wanted to trade. Um, I I, I think I agree with that mostly. Like, because I've seen that movie and I don't dislike it. Like, the thing is, like, all these movies are at least like good. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. He, like all of them are good movies. It's just mm-hmm. we have to choose something. I mean, we could have done Michael Bay movies instead. You know? And then <laughs> trade them. Well, they're all kind of <laughs> they're all the same. <laughs> if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Um. What was I going to promote and extend? I wrote this down. I'll uh, I'll extend Yojimbo because that's my favorite. Um, I do like Seven Samurai, but I prefer Yojimbo because I, I mean, both of them are great just because I have a thing for samurai. I guess I'm a weeb. Um, and then the one I was going to promote is slightly less less well known, that being The Hidden Fortress, um, which is a good movie in its own right, but it was also a big inspiration apparently for George Lucas when he made Star Wars. So, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah it's a I've cool never build. seen it. So yeah, I, I've seen it. I I I seen it. I've seen. I saw it once many years ago. I have a whole folder with Kurosawa movies that I may or may not have obtained in slightly totally legal, le- totally totally legal manner. Totally, totally legal length. FBI, I'm good. <laughs> um, 
that I should rewatch some of them. Uh, but that that was one that I thought was a little less well known that I think should get recognized more. That's fair. Ken, you're awfully quiet. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'll be honest. I, I don't think I've seen any Kurosawa <laughs> movies. <laughs> uh, so I will defer to the two of you. Uh-huh. Um, Seven Samurai, I think, would be my extend, just because I'm, I'm the most familiar with it. Yeah. Um, uh, Roshiman, for some reason, I thought it was like nine hours long, but it's it's actually fairly short, so I have no feels nine hours long. It's the same three events, <laughs> yeah. Seven times, yeah. It's like all around the same plot point, so it kind of grates on you a little bit. There gotcha. was a, there was like a, I can't remember the name of it at all. I think it was like. The premise was some uh, terrorist attack in the Middle East, but someone, some movie that riffed on the whole, we're going to tell this story from seven different perspectives in like the last decade, and now I'm just drawing a total blank on what the hell it was. I want to say it had Denzel Washington in it for some reason. That could be totally wrong. There was a movie with, I think it was Dennis Quaid that did something like that too, uh-huh. around like an assassination attempt, I think it was. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. And of. like it's the same attempt from like all these different points of views, so you're just seeing it over and over again, like in different ways. Uh-huh. And um it's just one of those where like I appreciate the cinematography, the yeah, the writing like, that goes it's just like, okay, and, like the creativity of it because to actually write something like that where it all connects and doesn't it all makes sense is like it has to be really hard. Mm-hmm. But also it's like I've seen the same thing like I saw it the whole movie in thirty minutes and now I'm seeing right. it again. Then I'm seeing it again. So, yep. all right. Well, we we didn't have quite as in depth an intro, but that was that was a passable promote extension. Right? It was like a it's like when a Steve does a wrestling one, and I sit here saying I know like <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and Donald Trump was there once, and that's all he I was. got. Yeah. He shaved Vince McMahon on TV. Right, right, right. That, I, I've seen that too. <laughs> what is the world? <laughs> yeah, he shaved him on TV. What is the world? What? <laughs> what is the world where the pre- I don't know. No, oh, right. Well, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on WWE, it's Barack Obama. <laughs> I watch it. Um, anyway, let's move on to our Asian League updates. Um, so I guess I'll, uh, I'll just go with them in the order I have them here. So in the CPBL, which is our Taiwanese league where we follow the unique president Lions, they went two and three this week. They're 15, 14 and one on the season, or at least in the second half. That puts them in first in the league. Uh, though it's worth noting that every, all four of the teams have either 14 or 15 wins. So there's a, not a lot of separation here in the second half so far. Um, our player of the week is Guo Fu Lin. He's a third baseman. He went five for 16 with two homers and five RBI. Wasn't a great week for, for many hitters, uh, in that, in, on the team. Um, Fu Lin is a former Yankee prospect from 2009 to 2013. They signed him as an IFA out of high school. Uh, I think he got a 43K bonus, something like that. Uh, and of course the Taiwanese media dubbed him the Taiwanese A-Rod and Needless to say, that didn't quite work out. Uh, never made it past high A, um, and then eventually made his way back to uh, uh, the Taiwanese leagues, and he had a, he's having a breakout season this year with an OP, OPS over 900. Uh, so he's A-Rod over there, just not over here. Um, pitcher of the week is uh, an American dude, Tim Melville, uh, who's made his way over into uh, uh, the Chinese for, uh, CPBL. Seventh inning pitched, four hits, three runs, four walks, five strikeouts, and that is like the only pitching line I could find that wasn't a travesty because the offensive <laughs> environment is high. Yeah. Um, 
So Melville was uh, also a former prospect of, of some more note than, than uh, Fulin. Yeah, he was dubbed the best high school player in the 2008 draft for uh, Baseball America, and he slipped due to signability concerns. Uh, eventually went, became a fourth-round pick of the Royals, signing for $1.25 million. I believe this is – I'm fairly certain that this is well before there were any sort of slot value, so you could just kind of dump money wherever you wanted or to some extent. Um Never really panned out, unfortunately. Bounced around between the Royals, Tigers, Reds, Padres, Twins, Orioles, Rockies. Um, he got a made his debut in 2013 with the Reds for five innings. Last year, he actually threw 33 innings for the Rockies with a 4.86 ERA. Um, and, and now he's made his way over to the CPPL. Um, it's a hell of a journeyman career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like Edwin Jackson, but in the, the, yeah. the crazy thing is that Edwin Jackson has been in the major leagues on more on like double the amount of teams here. That's so crazy. Who is the relief pitcher who did that? Like Octavio Dotel was on like every team at some point, right? That's legend, Octa- Octavio Dotel. <laughs> yeah, I might be wrong. They, I mean, they, I don't think that'll ever happen again, really. But there's some dudes that bounce around a lot. Anyway, on, on to Korea. Oh, he uh, played for a lot of teams. <laughs> I'm on his Wikipedia right now. Edwin Jackson is still playing, isn't he? It's like on the A's or something, I or maybe that was somewhere. last year. He was definitely somewhere last year, 100%. Dude also has like a 150 pitch no hitter where he walked seven for the Rays in I like 2012. That. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, uh, the LG Twins, they went 2-1 and one this week with a tie and a rain postponement. Uh, I think it's still uh, monsoon season in Korea, so they got some nasty rain going on. Uh, they're 57-40-3, and three, second behind the NC Dinos. Um, there's some weirdness there. with the, They played uh, like four fewer games than the Kiwoom Heroes, who are like a half game up in the standings technically, but have a lower win percentage. I don't know, dude. Rain is annoying. <laughs> um, player of the week. Uh, Roberto Ramos, so we have another uh, former uh, Major League Baseball prospect. So Ramos, uh, a Mexican player signed by the Rockies. Um, he went 6-for-20 uh, with two homers and six RBI this week, along with three walks. Though he did also have a platinum sombrero game, which uh, oh. not not the best. Um, so Ramos, obviously a former top prospect for the Rockies. Hit really well in their minor league system. I believe we've had this conversation a couple times, but it's very odd that he never got a chance in Colorado, uh, given some of the um, less than good first basemen they've trotted out over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Murphy there right now not hitting so well, unfortunately. Um, but Ramos is probably going to break – has a chance to break the Korean home run record this season and then uh, added two more this week, so that's pretty good. Um, pitcher of the week, I didn't want to give it to Casey Kelly who threw six scoreless innings but only struck out two, so I'm, I'm nitpicking there. So I went with uh, Wu Shoko, and I'm probably brutalizing that name. Uh, he's a 22-year-old reliever. He had three outings, 3.1 perfect innings, five strikeouts. He's up to 10 saves on the year. Uh, uh, Ko was a draft pick in their regional draft, so we talked a little bit about how they have like that regional draft and then the wider draft, um, and the Twins snagged him up. Uh, struggled for the first couple years of his career, but last year really had a breakout as a reliever. He's not been quite as good this season. His ERA is back in the threes as opposed to under two, uh, which is where it was in 2019, uh, but still having a solid season at the back end of the Twins' bullpen. And it gave me an excuse not to give it to Kelly again. Yeah. Um, finally, the Colts Swallows, 2-4, and 25-35, last in the Central League. Our Met analog is really very, very appropriate. Strong. 
Yeah, it's very, very going strong. Uh, pretty coincidentally, Yomiuri, uh, who is of course the Yankees equivalent also in Tokyo, uh, they are 39 and 22, the best league team in the league. So even more accurate. Though the Yankees <laughs> have their own problems right now. Yeah. Um, the player of the week. Is rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've gotten hurt everywhere and Torres and Sanchez are underperforming. Uh, player of the week is, uh, Tatsudo Yamada. So we've talked about him plenty. He's the, "Quote unquote Japanese Mike Trout, though he's having a down year, uh, 261, 353, 439. Uh, this week he went nine for 25 with a walk, a homer, seven RBIs. It wasn't a great week for anybody, so he was the the best bat to choose. Um, pitcher of the week, uh, Daiki Yoshida. He went uh, five five and a third innings, six hits, only one run, and five strikeouts. Um, really good outing for him relative to his stand his usual standards, given that with that outing he just got his ERA under five. It's at 4.99 right now. 22 years old. Uh, had a, had some better outings, uh, last year, but a rough time of it so far this season. Hopefully this one will help him turn it around, uh, going forward. Yep. So those are our Asian leagues. Uh, give up on the swallows, I guess. It's very Metsy and follow the twins. They're good. Yeah. Those twins are pretty good. Yeah. Love the twins. And with that, I guess we should move into some Mets-related news, and the obvious things to talk about are uh, the trades that happened went went down uh, earlier this week. Um, so I'll just run through the trades real, real quick, and then we'll talk about uh, each of them. Also, we can touch on whether we thought the Mets missed any good opportunities. So uh, first trade, uh, they acquired Miguel Castro from the Orioles for left-hand pitcher Kevin Smith and a player to be named later. Um They've also acquired Robinson Chirinos and Todd Frazier from the Rangers for two players to be named later. Um, those were technically three separate deals, but we can just lump the Chirinos and Frazier deal together. So starting with Castro, um, for those of you unfamiliar with him, Castro was signed as an IFA in 2012 by the Blue Jays uh, out of the Dominican Republic. Debuted in 2015, where he got a brief opportunity as a closer at 20 years old. The Blue Jays weren't very good that year, I don't think, so not surprising. But he was mostly a shuttle arm. Um, then he got traded to Colorado as part of the Troy Tulowitzki deal. Um, what am I talking about? The Blue Jays went to the playoffs that season. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, he went with Jose Reyes and Jeff Hoffman and that other dude I don't remember for for Tulo. Um, got bounced bounced around in the bullpen for the Rockies for a couple years. Got DFA, traded to the Orioles, where his strikeouts just kind of vanished between 2017 and 2020. Um, but they've come back with a vengeance this year. He's striking out 12 per nine. Uh, running a career-best DRA, even though his ERA is above four, which is much more in line with his career. Um, only 25, despite being in the bigs for five years, uh, controllable for t- uh, 2021 and 2022. Uh, and then what they gave up, we don't know what the player to be named later is, of course, uh, but the main piece is Kevin Smith, who uh, we had 12th on our top prospect list at the start of the season, back-end starter, middle relief type, command over command control lefty over stuff. Um, we can talk more about what we think of him, but what do you guys think of this this move? Um, I could see why a team would be interested, like why a guy like Castro gets chances just watching him, mm-hmm. because like even though like the outings so far have been kind of up and down, like the stuff is crazy good. Like just like the, he throws very hard, like and it's the like pure a loose stuff. arm, like yeah, uh, like Hansel Robles reminds me a little bit of. Yeah, I could see that. That kind it's of just, like whippy fastball. 
it's 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 one of those dudes that 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 you get because that you're you're like if we could just hone in the control a little a little bit then we really have something here and I think it's worth a shot because I don't know like you said about Kevin Smith he won pitcher of the year I think last year but I think the ceiling is a little low for him just because the velocity is not there and loogies are not in the game anymore because of the three batter minimum so that kind of you you, you kind of have to be a hard throwing lefty now like I don't know it's he. I would rather the I would rather the the stuff over the command if we're talking bullpen, and that's what so, I think Kevin Smith is. What do you guys think the chances are that Kevin Smith ends up having a, a more meaningful career than uh, Miguel Castro? Low. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm not really lamenting the especially loss. especially in modern baseball where like. If Kevin Smith is a starter, he's a back end starter type, and those guys just aren't that important anymore. Yeah. Right? And then, like, I think there's a good argument to be made that Castro, in his current flawed form, is already more valuable than a fifth starter type. Um, and that, that's if Smith can be a, a fifth if, starter. Right, exactly. Yeah, if, if, if Smith he even can even that, be yeah. that fifth starter type, which I don't think is at all a given. Because like I'm I'm racking my brain for like the the soft tossing dudes who are good and it's like Kyle wait, Hendricks. Wait, the blog. <laughs> well, you know, I, I told the story about how um I was reading John Troopin wrote him up last year for us and yes. I was reading the article and I, I looked at the gif and I legit thought it was Daniel Zamora the first yeah. like no oh, yeah it's, ten times I, I watched it no for sure <laughs> as far as I'm concerned they're like identical and like is Zamora a good reliever. Yeah. Not particularly. <laughs> so, you know, like I, like I understand why the Mets would do this swap because, yeah, you're taking away your starting some starting pitching depth, but how effective would it be anyway? And you're getting an arm that's like something to dream on, and he's only 25. I mean, right. yeah, he he got traded for Tulo, which is like what, but he's only 25. You know, like, he was like the. Th- See the second or third piece in that. No, deal. but Where's... I'm talking about distant, like time away from. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, like, that's like, crazy. Like, like the fact that he was a major league player who got traded for Troy Tulowitzki and is only 25 is pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's controllable for two years. I'd be more annoyed if they had traded. But I shouldn't say more annoyed because I think this is a great deal. Actually, I'd be annoyed if they had traded Kevin Smith for a rental reliever. Yes, that's that fair. would be stupid. Um, like Mark Melanson or something. Right, right, exactly. Like that, I mean, that, does, that doesn't make any sense given where the team is in the standings and how nonsense this year is in general. But, like, Castro is young. You have him for two years. The dudes you – know, there are only so many guys with a – what's his actual K percentage? I can read fan graphs. There are only so many guys who can strike out 30% of the batters they face, right? Yeah. Like, that's something. Uh Worst case, and like it's almost like the worst case scenario is you have a wild seventh inning guy, which the Mets could use <laughs> in their current. The Mets having no seventh inning guy. <laughs> all sealed, especially if you're moving Lugo to the rotation, yeah. which they seem pretty t- intent on doing. And he's yeah. been good. It's not like he he's has been a bad good. starter, but yeah. now they need more bullpen arms more than starters at this point. They need both. They, they need I, everything. <laughs> yeah, they need everything. But like right now, if you're moving Lugo to the rotation, then you could you could kind of afford to you could kind of focus on the bullpen, which is what I think they did. Yeah, and I think and again with modern baseball and uh, presumably that 26th, I think they said they're going to stick to that 26th man roster. Like bullpens are more important than ever. Uh, 
Now, the the one question I had, like, I did, couldn't really fathom why the Orioles would do this exactly. Um, maybe they want the extra control because they're further away from real contention. Not sure. But is there, like, where's what level of play of player to be named later would this have to be for this trade to go from a positive to a negative? Oh, that's tough. I don't know. Yeah, it's that's so hard because I kind of don't like, think they should give up much more than Smith. <laughs> that's where I'm yeah, at. Yeah. yeah, like it'll it'll kind of annoy me if it's like a young arm who's like 18. I'd be uh, like, literally oh. anybody below full season ball. Yeah, I'd that, be like, uh, <laughs> I was uh, like, uh, yeah, you know, we don't know what they are yet. It, I'd be it's, upset. It's the same thing about the Wilmer Font trade. Like when you trade, that was worst. I mean, yeah, it was worse. I'm talking about in terms of like that level of arm where it's like kind of an unknown. Like we won't really know how good they are because they're on the backfields of a place that we cannot get access to. But like, it's a kind of an exciting dude than like from reports, and I'd be a little annoyed. But that's yeah. something that we could get mad about in three months or whenever that, whenever the trade's completed. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't think it'll be anyone. Oh yeah, I can't. Important. Like if they throw Quinn Brody in on top of the deal, I'd be like, all right, but yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't care, it's fine. I, I don't want to throw in any upside. <laughs> right, right, or or depth is hopeful, and that's what I assume it is. Because um, anything, unless the Mets did something real stupid, um, so that's the first trade, which I think generally we are fans of. Let's go, Miguel Castro. Um, now the other two trades, which again we'll just treat as one. Robinson, Chirinos, and Todd Frazier for two players to be named later. Why? So I love Todd Frazier. Me too. So, He's a lovable goon. So, and the Mets are 3-0 and when he starts, so therefore... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Cannot, if these trends continue... But I mean, I don't know. If he's just here to hit lefties. He has like a 130... Weighted runs created plus against lefties this year. He's always so. been very good against lefties. Yeah, that, so. that's, he's a, he's a relatively useful player. Like it's just one of those things where like you could have just signed him for two million dollars. Yeah, no, that's why plus. it's weird. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's 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 that. It's, it's very Metsy. Yeah, and it's it's Metsy to be like Todd Frazier, come home, and then yeah. that's your deadline <laughs> acquisition. But I mean, my question what is: Do they really need another right hand? I feel like they, no. like. No, he's helped in the Unless you think, like, Jimenez is going to have to play a lot of third base and you want somebody to, to platoon. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to come up with but a scenario. But even then, you have, like, Davis. Right. Like, what scenario arises where, A, you – like, the Mets have a pretty deep stable of position players right yeah. now, right? Yeah. Like, Nimmo, Conforto, McNeil, Davis – uh, Imanez, Rosario's still there, Cano, Smith, Davis, I probably said someone twice in there. But it, in what scenario are you at a point where Todd Frazier needs to get significant at bats and you still care enough about the season that you want to give up something to get Todd Frazier and have him get significant at bats? Yeah, I mean, I think they just thought they needed a lefty, uh, a lefty killer in the lineup. And... Todd Frazier filled that, and like I don't really know if I agree because you could just have J.D. Davis play third base yeah, all those yeah. times, yeah. and he's been a fine third base. Todd Frazier is probably a, defender, a better defender oh, than absolutely. him even now, but like – and I mean Frazier was one of the big reasons why they beat the Yankees that one game, and yeah, it's the Yankees and the Wilpons were probably super pumped about that. But uh-huh. like like he he's still going to contribute, but it's also going to be one of those things where like 
how much did it matter? Like, if the Mets make the playoffs, was it because Todd Frazier had, like, ten good games? You know, like, it's going to be one of those costs versus... Right, well, the cost, I think, is is the... Like, I have no problem with having Todd Frazier on the roster. Yeah. But the cost is what gets... Because if they give up anyone with upside, like we said with Castro, that's bad. And it's also one of those situations where I'll be annoyed if they give up, like, organizational pitching depth because we've talked multiple yeah. times about how the Mets just love – and in, and in, like, the grand scheme of things, if you do this every once in a while, it's fine. But the problem is they do it, like, four times a yeah, year. Yeah, it's like the individual moves never suck. It's just right. that if you do it constantly, it creates a problem. <laughs> right, and it's – and. Just and then like, you trade away Blake Taylor, who has like a two ERA right now, and you better believe the Mets could use that. Even though oh, Marisnik yeah. hasn't even been bad, like he's been an above average hitter when he's played, and his defense is fine. So it, I mean, good. So, but still, like I would rather Blake Taylor because right. And if you have if you have a functional system, you trade away Blake Taylor. It's like all right, fine. We have ten more of these dudes, and one yeah. of them will probably be as good as Blake Taylor. Because if the Dodgers trade Blake Taylor, who cares? But right. The Mets don't have that luxury. They need to hold on to that. So, um, and the other part of this deal, uh, Robinson Chirinos. Uh, so I think the Chirinos uh, acquisition is a little bit interesting. Frazier's only a one-year contract, but Chirinos has a six and a half million dollar option for next year with a one and a half million dollar buyout. Uh, he's obviously been very bad this season offensively. Um, like really bad, like twelve weighted runs created yeah. plus bad. Right. Um, now that's only in fifty five plate appearances, though, right? And the last five years before this, he's been an above average bat, not just for a cat- catcher, but relative to the league. Um, he was a two win player last year. Yeah, in, in one hundred and fourteen games, like as a backup, you take that. Even yeah. as a starter, you take that with how catcher is. Well, here's what I'm wondering, right? So real quick, the weighted numbers are 106, 105, 122, 102, 113 the last five years. And he's 36, so maybe this is the cliff. Um, and then defensively, he fluctuates. He seems to have like an every other year thing, according to BP, where he's like bad and then slightly, like very slightly above average, then bad again. Mm-hmm. So. Just call him average behind the – better than Wilson Ramos. Oh, God, and it's just the eye test shows that too. Yeah, like, absolutely. I think it's safe to – well, here, here's where I'm coming from, right? I think it's safe to say that Ramos is gone after this season. There's zero chance they re-sign him. Um, Nito is, seems to have at least given himself a chance to, to stick around. Do you think there's any chance they got Chirinos as anything other than just a short-term option? Do you think they considered the idea of picking up that option for next year and, and keeping him around? Or because they're selling the team, are they just not, they don't give a shit? I mean, it's probably uh, both. It's probably that they don't give a shit, a but also... A combination of the two. Yeah, but like, I could see Brody thinking that he'll have another year and it's possible if Cohen takes over in like November, it's going to be hard for him to fire the front office right when free agency's starting because then I don't know how he's supposed to – like, by, by the time he hires everyone, every free agent's going to be gone. So right. Brody might just have a year with Cohen as, like, a lame duck GM. But, like, I don't know. I could see it. And also, Chirinos has been really unlucky this year. He's running a sub-200 BAPIP. Like, yeah. so, yeah, like, the the offense hasn't been good, but a one, he, has, he, he came into this game – he didn't play today, so he has a 194 BAPIP. Like, and his career numbers are, like – 
270, 250, 298, 304, 306. So that's like a – not only is it a huge drop off in offensive production, like that's like a 200-point drop in – you know, or like a 100-point drop in backup. That's a ton of like unlucky at-bats and 55 mm-hmm. plate appearances. So I wouldn't even be surprised if he has a good month. Yeah, like, me neither. Like, 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 if he turns around and plays more, and then you have a good month, and then you pick up his option, and you go into next year, and let's say they do sign Real Muto because that's what kind of Buster Olney said on like some on TV that like the Mets are going to be sniffing around him with Cohen and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, if that's your stable of Real Muto and Chirino, sign me up for that. Like, yeah, he's he's a fine backup catcher. Like, and then at six million dollars, if 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 this is the cliff and he just has a hot month and he's bad again, then. That's nothing to let go, yeah. especially if it's, Cohen is yeah. going to act more like a major league GM and not like a not like the Wilpons have been, or like a major league owner, not a GM. I mean, my but, yeah, that's uh, all. I, that's all. I, I think I think you're totally right. I don't hate the idea of picking. I don't. To to be totally honest, if the if if they invested significant resources in pitching and didn't go after Real Muto, I'd be pretty okay with a Chirinos Nito. Uh, catching depth chart. I think you need a third guy there somewhere. But yeah. like, if they if their thought process is look, we need so much pitching that maybe we can't sniff around Real Muto. It's difficult to have these kind of conversations too, because who knows what the ownership situation is or what's happening there. But I I I'm willing to bet that he's not just washed yet, and catcher is just such a desert anyway that I almost yeah. don't care. Um, and if they go out and sign like bring back Stroman and sign two late-inning relievers and another starter and then say, yeah, we don't have enough for Real Muto. Oh, and they also extend Conforto. It's like, okay, I could, that's fine. Like, if if you QO Stroman or extend him and you make Lugo a full-time starter, that's three guys right there and then four if Syndergaard's fine. Yeah. So, like, you already have – like, you could squint and have a rotation right there. Like, obviously, you need depth because – Wheeler I'd say you need one Tommy more John on top and, of that because oh yeah. who knows with Lugo's arm and, and who knows with Doris rehab back. Yeah. And I don't really trust Matt's at this point. Like I I I think they tender him, but I don't know if it's a guarantee. I, yeah, he should make, be tender, I would tender him and be like fight it out in the spring. Yeah. And if if you're bad you could go to the bullpen or we could cut you and you could you could look for a job somewhere else, but MLB Trade Rumors is letting me down. Oh, wait, nope, I found it. Here's the 2020 free agent list. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Starting pitchers. Both Andersons, Chris Archer, Pask, Jake Arrieta. Trevor Bauer. Tanaka. I'd be fine with Tanaka. Big Mountain, Rich Hill will be a free agent again. Oh, God. Well, I mean, hopefully the Mets wouldn't force him to do what they do. Like the, I would be afraid with the Wilpon Mets having him. They might end his career. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's actually not a great starting pitching. It's work. not. It's really not, which is why I think Stroman should be a priority. Absolutely. I agree with that for sure. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't hate the, the Todd Frazier one's kind of a head scratcher. The Robinson Chirinos one is also something of a head scratcher, but it's fine. I think. But most of us would have preferred they do nothing, given where they are in the standings. But whatever. I'm mostly happy they didn't trade any of the. the they didn't panic guys. trade someone yeah. bigger. Like, yeah. like 
the whole time, like up to the deadline when those trades went through, I was like, all right, they didn't trade Todd Frazier for Matthew Allen. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, no, no, I, don't, you don't know that yet. I was like, I think I could be confident that they didn't do one of those things because when Clevenger was around, I was like, they could, I wouldn't have minded them doing that. I wouldn't that have traded trading for Clevenger, honestly, yeah. But like, uh, uh, Alvarez going for Clev or something like that. But I would have done that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I probably would have traded for him too. But that's neither here nor there. But when like Lance Lynn was another name that was going around, that I was a little worried that the Mets would get in. And like when it was the smaller trades, I was like, okay, they didn't trade any of the big guys. Losing a lower depth guy would suck, but it wouldn't suck as much as trading Matthew Allen after trading Kalenic and all that stuff. So, yeah, that'd be a big time bummer. Yeah, that it it would have to be a, a legit return, like. If you're going to trade those guys, you better get someone who's real good for years <laughs> because at this point we're kind of – even though Cano's been really good, we've been kind of scarred. Cano, yeah, I love – hey, I love having Robbie Cano around. Oh, yeah, he's great. He's been he's been so good this year too. Arguably the team's best player. <laughs> yep. Uh, Michael Conforto has entered the chat. That's true. And Dom, to be honest. <laughs> uh, all right. It was really uh, the, close the other... to F-war like two days ago. Who was Cano still the best? Uh, I think they were all between like 1.1 and 1.3. Let me see. No, Conforto's up. Up, he's at a 1.4, mm-hmm. and the other two, Smith and Cano, are tied for for second at 1.1. So I mean, hey, we had this con- we, we had this conversation before. I wish they had just done the deal without Kalanick and Diaz. Yeah, yep. you want you want Justin Dunn and. Uh, did we send them Jerson Batista in that deal? Yeah, too? Yes. who immediately yes. borked his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. his shoulder's probably already borked. For for Robbie Cano, we'll take the contract. Yeah, done. When Come you, on, I'm on Fangrass right now. When you make the minimum plate appearances 60 for a second baseman, he is the highest weighted runs created plus in the league. Huh? Robbie, nice job. <laughs> At 36. Yeah, 37, I think. What are his defensive numbers like? They're not awful. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where he's lost range, but he gets to everything that like he he'll field everything he gets to, but the range is slowed. Yeah, he has to be the smoothest looking fielder of the last. He made a hell of a play last night. Oh yeah, he did on Bruce, second base. Right? Is also a position with modern shifting where you can hide a lot of the range deficiencies. So, mm-hmm. and if you're playing somebody like Jimenez next to him, like, right, you right. can make up for it in yeah. with other. Like if you're gonna have like a guy like that, he could play second. Mm-hmm. He, his legs could last. Um, one last transaction I wanted to mention that fits into our complaints regarding Frazier. <laughs> the Mets DFA'd Billy Hamilton. Oh, so, gra- so glad. We- hey, I like Billy Hamilton. I would have been fine with him. I think he should be on. It's a guy you should keep around for defense. I like having a defense speed guy on the bench. Um, and I think he's better at that than Marisnik, honestly. Um, or at least at those two things, certainly not at hitting. But really, I'm just so glad we traded Jordan Humphreys for 15 games of Billy Hamilton. David yeah. Humphreys, Jordan, whatever. Jordan. Very, Jordan, Jordan, very, very Mets move. That like, one is going to piss me off about this year. So, like, I, I'm of two minds. I, I don't really – like, I don't think Jordan Humphreys is all that good. Uh, sure. I, but I, also I wasting him just, for absolutely yeah. nothing. <laughs> I think that's the thing that annoys me more. It's like yeah, it's like terrible process, obviously. Although I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. You probably could have gotten someone better than Billy Hamilton. Exactly, or somebody else. who would last longer than like two weeks. Yes, because like I don't care about the Kevin Smith thing because I think there's something there with Castro, but Billy Hamilton is who he is. You He's also a, yeah. probably could have pretty easily gotten Hamilton in the off season 
and avoided all of this, and then yep. Rage cut him, and then none of us would care. Like, I, mean, I, yeah, I, exactly. think, I think I'm the high guy on Humphreys here. I do think there's, I thought there was something there based on what I've seen. Excuse me as I hiccup into my mic. Um, <laughs> very professional operation we have here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's mostly the process of it. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. You're throwing away value. If you always, you know, are, are careless with, you know, your lower end assets, like, you'll never have them. Right. Yeah. Careless is a good word for it. I mean, and, and, like, look at all the various Mets arms that are out there right now. Uh, Kalarik, John Gant, uh, there are two others. Yeah, all the big I... leaguers. They've, they've basically, they've thrown away in these, these trades. There's been uh, so many dudes who are like, oh yeah, the Mets could use him. <laughs> and it's not like he's a superstar, like, they're not all Justin Turner, but a lot of them are like, yeah, that's a usable guy. And there's no reason for them to not be here right now. Adam Kalarik has not allowed a run in 12 innings this year. He had a 3.3 ERA last year. Serviceable middle reliever. Mets could use that. Uh, who's the other one? John Gant. There was, there are other, there are two other guys that I wrote down in some way. John Gant striking out 12 batters per nine innings this season with a 1.46 ERA. Okay. That's wild. I <laughs> wouldn't have expected that. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, he's been he's, good. He's almost eclipsed his eclipses F4 from last year. Yeah, in 12 innings. 12 yeah. innings, right? <laughs> you, no, no, and, and there, every time we have, have this conversation, it's worth mentioning they trade away guys that don't work out, like Casey Meisner and, yeah. uh, Rob Whalen and many more, right? But it's just stop. Homer kinda. <laughs> right. Cause he right. broke. Like that's yeah, not his fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause he was going to be good if he stayed healthy. Hot take. <laughs> um, so final question regarding trade deadline moves. Uh, do you guys think they missed a selling opportunity at all? Uh, it seemed like a real seller's market. Do you think they should have maybe looked to move something or? I don't think they had much to sell. Yeah, that kind of problem. Agree. Yeah. Like Justin Wilson could have gotten you a prospect, but okay. Like yeah. the chances of that prospect, like, I don't know. Maybe yeah, if Ramos was really good, like if he hit, like he did. Lashley was an above average hitter last year and killed right. lefties last year. So if he no. did the same thing, then maybe a team would, who needed a catcher would give you something real for half it for, I don't know, 20 games or whatever it is. But I don't know. It's, it's hard to, they're so young and they're so un, under team control for the most part. Or they're like Robbie and you're not going to trade him. So. And they, I think the I, only two guys that could have moved for Mariz, Nick and Wilson. And at that point, what's even, what are you yeah, even getting? That's, like, that's, I'd rather just have Wilson for maybe you make the playoffs and this year, playoffs, yeah, you know, it, it's such a, a coin flip. Yeah, you know, I, I'd yeah. rather just take a shot at it and who cares? Yep. You know, I'm, there's no I'm, real missed opportunity. I'm very much yeah. If they, uh, I pretty much agree. If they had had someone a good vet on a one year deal and they had this record, I would have been banging the table for them to trade them and get something real back. But they didn't, yeah. so who cares? Um, for sure. Final topic that I think is interesting. Uh, Jeff, of course, introduced uh, all of us way back when to Shortstop Avenue Audio. If I had the if I had the audio file, I would play it right now just for old times' sake. Um, Andrelton Simmons probably isn't available. Francisco Lindor. The bidding starts at Thor. I mean, would have done it if the bidding started. <laughs> 
I would do uh, that. I forget what the other bits and pieces of that. Uh, Didi Gregorius, this jingle is getting laborious. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a stretch. Um, anyway, uh, uh, nowadays I feel like we're more in the Catcher Avenue audio uh, realm of things. And given that we just spent 10 minutes talking about Robinson Chirinos, uh, uh, maybe we should put some more thought into what the Mets can do at Catcher. So the Padres obviously went um, – What's the word for it? Ham, ballistic, <laughs> insert catchy teenage word here that I'm too old to know. Okay, boomer. Um, and and acquired a lot of things, including two catchers. So uh, they got Jason Castro from the Angels, who I believe is on a one-year deal. They got Austin Nola from the Mariners, who is more of a long-term piece. Uh, and they sent away Austin Hedges to as part of the Mike Clevenger trade, but they still have... Uh, a notable catcher on their roster in Francisco Mejia. Uh, it also bears mentioning that they recently called up one of their top prospects, Luis Camposono, so another very oh, good yeah. catcher. Um, so I don't ant- Castro, who carries, is a temporary backup. I don't anticipate they'd move Nola immediately after acquiring him, nor do I think they'd move uh, Camposano for anything the Mets could dangle to them. They'd probably look to oh, move yeah. Camposano for something big next year. Um but not so long ago, Francisco Mejia was a top 10 prospect-ish. I don't remember where he peaked on BP's list. I can pull that up, actually. Um, Dude was supposed to hit and be a solid defender behind the dish. And if we get robot umps in the near future, who really cares about framing anyway? Uh, and it's important to – and obviously he's been awful in the major leagues, just hasn't hit at all. But catchers are weird, man. and. Yeah. The dude's only what, 20, he's 24 currently. Career 75 weighted isn't even that unplayable for a catcher. Last year he ran a 96 in 244 plate appearances. Um, so do you think there's a, a buying opportunity here for the Mets? Maybe swoop in, get someone that the Padres don't need anymore? And what do you think they could give up to, to pull him in? I legit wouldn't give up much for him, to be honest. Really? You just, you just think he's not it? You just don't think it's there for him? Um, it reminds me kind of like Rosario, where the guy was supposed to come up and hit. And mm-hmm. we're now in year three. And not a particularly good defensive catcher. Like, even going back to... That was never know, his report, thing in the prospects. Reports on the, his... Know, as a minor leaguer, right? Hmm? That was never his thing as a minor leaguer either, right? Yeah, it was always like um, if he stays behind the dish. The, the the Indians kept trying to move him to like third yeah. or first or wherever. And he played left um, in, in San Diego last year a little bit. The idea was like he had the potential to be fine but also wasn't going to provide a ton of value defensively other than being able to be there. You know. So I'll say last year per baseball perspective, I've just had a stroke again. Uh, per baseball prospectuses, that's a tough word. Uh, uh, metrics, he was slightly below average. Not unplayable, but slight. He has a negative 1.3 total. For reference, Ramos was a negative 8.6. Yeah, so he'd be like an upgrade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think me I think he's a fine catcher. Who right? would, you, want, who would def- you give up to bring him in, though? Is the question. Robert Gazelman. Oh, yeah, I'd be fine with that. But I've also been fine with, like, 
optioning Gizelman back to the minors for like yeah. two years now. Like, <laughs> if you're going to get him for something that you also don't really need or want, like a kind of like a rebuild, like a get... I, I know what I'm trying to say, but I don't know how to word it. Like, someone who has struggled for the Mets and someone who struggled for the Padres and you swap them for, like, a change of scenery type of trade, that's what I was looking for. I got there. So, like, if you could do something like that. And then maybe even, like, Thomas Sapaki or somebody. Yeah. Like, somebody it, who we're not convinced is ever going to You know, a, a, thought, a thought occurs that maybe you could have <laughs> enticed the Padres, who we have heard from people like liked Gazelman at one point, but maybe you could have said, hey, we'll give you Robert Gazelman, and because you're contending and we're not – you can have Justin Wilson too. Send us Francisco Mejia. I wonder if that might have sweetened the pot a little bit for them. But I mean, to be honest, Mejia might be fourth on their catcher depth chart now. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Like, so like, yeah, and, and there's, there's legitimate upside there, though. Yeah. And even if not, like, if let's say that he's not like the best third or outf- third baseman or outfielder, like if you could have a third catcher who could stand in other spots as like kind of like a super utility guy on the bench and you see what he has to offer at the plate, and that's something that's interesting, and that's something that you don't really find. Like, there's a handful of catchers, like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, like, plays a bunch of positions, and Austin right. Nola does too, but, like, well. and that's, that's, Austin Nola is, like, also hitting, like, 300, so that's a whole nother story, but, like, it's, it's something that's interesting. Like, he's a dude that's interesting, and I think, like, another team would look at Rosario, and we would look at him as, oh, he didn't hit, and he got outplayed by Jimenez, but another team would be like, that's a former top prospect, and maybe we could fix him. So, Yeah, I mean, and when, I, when you're talking about the Mets, that's a, a pretty yeah, pretty safe bet to make. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as, as, as difficult as, as bad as their pitching depth chart is, and as difficult as finding pitching is, catcher is also bad for this organization and arguably harder to find. So I'd have no problem giving up on the, giving away the lottery ticket that the Padres immediately fix Gazelman in order to get the lottery ticket of Mejia. I'd yeah. do that in a second, and I'd throw in another minor piece, like you said. I mean, I have an irrational attachment to Sapucky, but, like, uh, uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. I, I like Sapucky, too. <laughs> I'm just not like, convinced he's ever going to pitch. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. He's probably like Stephen Valance with me, you know, but... Throw him like Dason Acosta or something, right? Like, eh, yeah, take. Oh, I like I like Dason Acosta too, though. Jake Mangum. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, fine. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some there's a very interesting opportunity there. I'm. Uh, I think somebody might get a bargain, but he yeah. also just might never. Oh right, you mean <laughs> catchers are weird. Like, dude, catchers are weird. And and re- regarding your point. For Rosario, like both Mejia and Rosario have that similar track where they haven't hit for a couple years, and then both of them kind of hit last year. Um, but and I have... similar offensive profiles too. Um, yeah. Mejia was supposed to hit for a lot more power, but it has yeah. like not walked at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, Rosario didn't walk for like three fourths yeah, of the and, season. And, yeah. <laughs> Rosario, um, yeah, same same deal. Like, <laughs> I think. I have more faith in a catcher who has gotten fewer chances than Rosario because Rosario's been doing this longer. Yeah, Rosario's basically got three full seasons. Right. So both the the less less evidence for Mejia being bad and also the fact that he's catching um, makes me more interested in him as a as a reclamation project. Yeah. Um, He he's he's legit played 127 major league games. Mejia. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not even a season, and he's only 24. 
It's not like the Mets have anyone better to play in front of him right now, you know? And again, if it's a situation where the cho- there's a choice between pitching and Real Muto and you choose pitching, I don't really hate running out a, a wild card catching situation. As long as yeah. you have Nito there as a defensive presence, if, if everything goes to hell. To be honest, if, if Real Muto's on the market and Brody Van Wagenen is still in charge of this team, I would be shocked if, yeah, is, if, they, is they, Real Muto if a they don't CAA back call? up the truck. For he, him. he is, yeah. Ah. And, I, and I think he was his... Agent, he was his client, and yeah. he was the guy who oh, there were boy. tons of leaks before about Brody. Yeah, like I, I think that's a foregone conclusion. <laughs> like, like I think it's one of those things. If Cohen gives the blank check and Brody sees Rio Muto on the market, hey, I mean, I'm not. Gonna I mean, I would depends on how quickly they fire Brody. <laughs> I mean, sure, and yeah, exactly. Like maybe Brody could think he could save his job, but with a strong off season with Cohen and. It would be pretty funny if Brody is like not bad at his job and it was just the Wilpons the whole time. Look, if Real Muto wants like five a hundred, I'd do that. I mean, yeah, Real oh, Muto's so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same discussion we had with Grindal, but probably better. Anyway, uh, we can save these discussions for later on when we get closer to the off season. Uh, I think that ba- basically wraps up all the interesting trade tidbits or any transactional news. Uh, Killame is hurt with yeah. a fingernail. Whatever. I don't think anything else really went down that I'm missing. Um, so given that we've reached the end, I'll go into Steve's normal blurb, which he was happy enough to send me. Uh, if anyone has <laughs> any questions, comments, whatever, send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am not at Steve Stipo. That's Steve. Uh, I am at Elvlahos343. Ken is Ken at Ken Lavin ninety one, and Thomas is at Sad Met Season, which I always get a chuckle out of that. <laughs> um, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week, and until then, somewhat love the Mets. Love the Mets. <laughs>